Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Steve Peters, Craig Morgan. How are you guys doing today? Still in house building mode. Not building, but rearranging. Uh, <laughs> Craig's now building houses. Yeah. But Craig on the sideline, he's now building homes. <laughs> yeah, he as if he's everything. not busy enough. He has his side gig now. Yeah, preparing for my my next career as a home <laughs> builder. Literally yep. does everything. <laughs> it's your side hustle. <laughs> That's right. Craig S. Morgan. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Oh, yeah, man. Well, Between games, and I don't know if you guys looked at the calendar, but the Coyotes play a lot of games coming up, like lots yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah, and somehow they still haven't even played. Like, they're on the lower end of games played um, around the league. I feel like there are teams who've played four to five more than the Coyotes, and I already feel like they've played a lot of games. So it's the grind of the, the long season, but we're we're in it. We're in it now. It's been an interesting one so far. Um, and interesting around the league, too, and that's what we're going to talk about today on our weekly Around the NHL episode, and we're going to focus on – the coaches around the league today because <laughs> you know we're so focused on the coyotes and where they are in the standings and how bad teams like anaheim have been that it's time to stop and consider will there be coaching changes it's inevitable that there will be because it's the nhl and it's hard to keep a coaching job for a long time you look at the list of tenured coaches in the league john cooper leads that list uh he started in 2013 that's an unbelievable feat almost 10 years with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Next on that list, Mike Sullivan, 2015, Jared Bednar, 2016. And then after that, I mean, more than half the list is 2020, 2021, 2022. So there's very few coaches who've been there longer than those three at the top. It's a very interesting coaching climate in the NHL. I still maintain it's the most volatile coaching league in in professional sports, in North American professional sports, which is crazy, right? It's the NHL, you would think. That it's uh, you know a little bit more stable than the other sports, maybe not the expectations at least in the United States. But you look at the numbers: five coaches have been on the job for at least four years. That's crazy. And John Cooper, I, I think Leah Merrill was in high school, by the way. When 
in 2013. Yes, I was. When John Cooper started coaching. I think one of the issues there, Craig, with the, the ability to roll that over is I, I think you look at what those coaches are making relative to what they're making in some of the other sports. And and now I know you're seeing, you know, Mike Babcock got to the $5 million threshold, but, but salaries are going down now. And, and, and I think that that affords the luxury of ownership to go, oh, yeah, you know, it's halfway through the season that cost me a million bucks. And I, and I wonder if that plays into it a little bit where you look at other sports where those coaches are paid more. Um, I don't know. I think it's an unusual trend when you see salaries going backwards in professional sports. Was it always like this though? Because like we said, we saw those, those five coaches for four years and then everybody else is two years or fewer. Has it always been this way or is this kind of more of a recent trend? It, it's been this way for a little while, maybe over the past decade, but I, I, I don't know. I didn't look back to see, you know, how far it goes back. But I know this has been the case, at least for the past decade in the NHL. Um, you know, I guess you would expect it to be the case in most professional sports where because of the salary cap, expectations go up. You need you need to get things done quicker because it comes time to pay the piper. So I think expectations get ramped up. But then when you're talking about salaries too, the the escalation of salaries, I think expectations rise with those where an owner shell not a lot of money. It's like, okay, we're in year three here. What's going on, guys? How come we're not winning yet? So I think all that comes together and it's a tough, it's a tough world for coaches. I mean, I think they all know it going into the business that they're hired to be fired, but it just seems like the tenures are so short-lived now. I don't even know how you operate within that reality because you just don't really have a lot of time to build something. Andre Turney is in a, a unique situation where there aren't expectations. So I think he's giving, given a little more latitude, but a lot of these coaches is like in year three, okay, where's the progress? What are we doing? I don't see it. See you later. Yeah, it, it is surprising. And the other one that, that I always found funny, especially in hockey and I, and I know what happens in all sports, but the the changeover and, and the coach is getting a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth opportunity. It's like they're the only guys that can coach. And and you not only do that, you go, well, this guy got he sucked last year and he gets fired. Well, next year he might be um, a coach of the year candidate. And then the next year he's fired again. Like, yeah, it, it's just amazing to me. Well, this guy in this year, more than any, how many recycled coaches are at the, uh, you know, hired this year? You yeah. Know, you know, Bruce Cassidy, John Tortorella, Pete DeBoer, Paul Maurice. Um, Jim Montgomery, Rick Bonus, David Quinn, all of those guys were let go somewhere else. And, yep. and, and, well, and, no and a, a handful of them are having a lot of success with their new teams. Dave so, you know, like Bruce Cassidy, Boston fired Vegas, having a great year. So it's really interesting to see that as well. It's, it's, I guess there is something to a change in the voice. In and, the and Leah, I've always heard this. You show me a team with a really good goaltender. I'll show you a team with a really good coach. And, and Gerard Gallant is a perfect example. Last year, he's up for coach of the year last year. And he, he, he has Shesterkin, who was all world best goal in the league this year. Now they're starting to question Gerard Gallant's coaching. We'll go look at Shesterkin's numbers. They're nowhere near where he was a year ago. So it, it does. I tell you what, good goaltending can mask a lot of other issues. And if you're winning because of good goaltending, all of a sudden you're a great coach. So it's, I, I, I'd like to see teams do, even what, what the Coyotes did, take a chance, get somebody out of junior, get somebody out of college, take somebody from your American League team that's got experience. That's what, I mean, John Cooper went from high school to and worked his way up through all of the different leagues to become an NHL coach. 
I, I, I think that that's a great story. And I think it's something to follow that, hey, let's let's try somebody new. Let's, let's get some new blood in here. And I think the way you're seeing the game change where everybody gets a trophy and everybody gets patted on the back, I think you're going to see more guys that have a, a bigger toolbox. And it's not always X's and O's. It's also, hey, good job, buddy. You're you're playing great. And, and the guy that can get along and, and relate personally with those coaches. So I think you are going to start to see a shift where you're going to see younger. I don't, you know, Bruce Boudreaux, we're going to get the names, but like Babcock, he, he may not get another kick at the can because of his, the way he approaches the game is a little considered old school. And I think you're going to see more of that new wave, younger, um, more relatable coach going forward. Yep. Well, Craig already mentioned that Andre Tourney, it's a bit of a unique position. There's not a ton of pressure on him. So we don't ever put him in the discussion, at least right now as the Coyotes are toward the bottom of the standings, but there's a number of other teams toward the bottom of the standings. Maybe they had higher expectations than um, they are performing to right now. So we're going to go through some of those teams, some of those coaches and kind of talk about who will be fired first. And this, you know, when you think about it, it's kind of a, a dark conversation topic. If you're a coach, one of these coaches listening, I'm sorry in advance. We don't want you to be fired. However, uh, it's just the reality of this league. So we're going to go through the list, which coach will be fired first. And we have to start off with Dallas Eakins, head coach of the Anaheim Ducks. As of today, Anaheim, really, really rough season, 6-17-3 with 15 points to round out the bottom of the league. Just a really, really tough season for Anaheim. Is this on Dallas Eakins? Will he be fired? What do you guys think? I mean, there there are a lot of things to consider, but the, the the key, I guess, the key points that I look at. Okay, how long has he how long has he been on the job? Dallas Eagles has been on the job. He's the eighth longest tenured coach in the NHL, hired in June of 2019, which is insane wow. to talk about. But he's already the eighth longest coach. Were there expectations for this team entering the season? Yes, there were for the Ducks. I think a lot of people thought that this should be a playoff team. I wasn't one of them. I think they have significant significant flaws but uh, and pd talked about goaltending like i did anybody see the goaltending go the direction that it's gone that's that's something to talk about here um put those two things together um and i think you've got you've you've got him maybe leading the pack right now in terms of possibility of getting fired expectations and length of tenure how come is it has hasn't happened by now it's crazy to talk about that after three and a half years but that's the world we're living in now in the nhl and they're a team that has this young talent, you know, Troy Terry, Trevor Zegris, Drysdale, all these young players. Oh, we're on the verge of the playoffs. And, and we talked about goaltending being part of, of a good coaching, and they're not getting it from Gibson. So that's one. Two, it's his fourth year, so you want to see that continued growth. I mean, the best winning percentage he's had is, is his first year in Anaheim, and that was a 472 winning percentage, well below 500. Um, this year he's at 288. I mean, that's not good enough. And, and, and here – he, they will make a change. I, I, I think he's on the last year of his contract. Um, and I think that's going to play into some of these decisions too, is how much money they have to pay out on this. They are clearly going to, they want to finish last. They want to be in the sweepstakes for Bedard. There are no rush to fire him. He, I don't see him firing him during the season though. I, I don't see why, and you're trying to tank and you're trying to get last. Why change something that's doing exactly what you want it to do? I, I would, I would think that this would be the perfect time. Get last, get a good draft pick first or second change the culture, change the coach and do all of it in the summertime. So I, I think you're right. He's in the hot seat. I just don't think it's going to be during the season. 
Hmm. That's interesting to hear because, I mean, owners, general managers aren't patient with this sort of stuff. We've seen this over and over again. You're you're right. The lot, like taking a step back, logically, it says, okay, Anaheim, your season's done. You're not making the playoffs. It's over. So get as high a draft pick as you can. Why make the change now? Let's let's start that whole culture change in the summer. But I don't know. NHL teams track records don't say that. And one other thing that I want to mention, and this applies to all situations, so we can just say it once and be done with it. What I never know from the outside, you know, with these teams that we don't cover is what the players are saying about the coach. What's the conversation in the locker room? Or, you know, if the GM's asking them, if the owner's hearing things about what the players say about the coach, that's a major factor here, right? If, if you know, you've heard the, the expression, well, he's lost the room, and I think it gets used too much. But in some cases, it is the case. And then w- when that happens, I mean, I, I don't know how you continue forward with a coach who's, who's lost, uh, you know, whose voice is no longer resonating in the room. Yeah. And just one more note, too, about oh, writing off Anaheim and whether you just continue to go down the hole you're already in or try you look at I mean and 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 I'm not comparing Anaheim because I think Anaheim is like way past the point of return but the St. Louis Blues were in last place and came back to win the Stanley Cup the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2009 fired their head coach hired a new one went on to win the Stanley Cup Uh, we've seen that pattern again and again so there is that tier of teams where Maybe the GM, maybe the ownership believes in the group of players and thinks they have it and that let's go for it. And it's we've seen it pay off. Um, but then on the flip side, you maybe some ownership groups or GMs or want to go the other way. So I just think it's it's an interesting balance of of which way you go in that regard. Yeah, and probably the difference between St. Louis and Pittsburgh and this team is the veteran presence, right? You've got a lot of veterans who have accomplished things before. So you you know at least that they know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, Well, speaking of higher expectations, the Ottawa Senators, I think a few of us, at least me, I'll admit when I'm wrong, had them in the playoffs. They made some really significant moves over the offseason. At least if they weren't a playoff team, you would think maybe they would be in more of a competitive spot than they're in right now. Right now, they are 27th in the league with a 10-13-1 record. Not great for the Ottawa Senators and head coach DJ Smith, who, Craig, you mentioned, relationships with players from what I've heard just through ever like the the grapevine I guess is that he was a, or is or was a well-liked coach among the players so that's an interesting one but we've heard DJ Smith's name brought up a lot in the uh, coaching hot seat conversation yeah and I don't know how long his tenure is maybe PD knows that but uh, DJ Smith even longer tenure than Dallas Eakins and we, we're talking shades now here we're talking one month but he is the seventh longest <laughs> tenured NHL coach which is again it's it's crazy to be talking about this stuff but it, it it's also insane to see how quickly you climb the list because it's so volatile there were heavy expectations that this team was going to take a step forward I thought it was fool's gold especially in the Eastern Conference it's really hard to challenge the powers that be in that conference. I mean, maybe the Capitals are down, but I I sort of expected the Islanders to come back after that crazy season last year. It's really hard to make up the sort of deficit that we were talking about because the split was so wide between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams in the East. But aside from that, I I just don't think Ottawa can defend and and it's played out so far. They've been one of the league's worst teams. So at what point do you look at that? Petey, how much, how much, Blame do you put on a coach for the way a team defends? 
Uh, I mean, it's it, it, the first thing, Craig, we're going to talk about goaltending. We've said it enough during the show already. Goaltending is an issue. If you're getting bad goaltending, you can't out coach bad goaltending. You just can't. If you're getting decent to average goaltending, yeah, then it is systems. Then it's how you teach your team to play. Are, are you, are you uh, boxing out or fronting pucks as a defenseman? Are, are you um, playing man on man or are you playing zone and protecting the net front? Uh, how are you doing the read of the rush? Do you allow your D to go up in every play? And, and this is a team that tries to provide offense and their defensemen are up in the rush all the time and they're up in off the blue line, which creates problems going back the other way. The reality is this is one of the guys that I've got on the top of the list to go first. And we talk about Dallas Higgins and his record. DJ Smith's got to win. The expectations are are very high in Canada. He's never had a 500 record. It's his fourth season in in Ottawa. They're still rebuilding, but this is a team that's expecting to get closer to the playoffs, not farther away. Um, Yeah, they did not see themselves in the bottom of their division this late in in the season. Um, I know it's still a lot of hockey left to be played, but I would think he'd be one of the guys that's going to go first. And you're right. I think, Leah, he is liked, and I think he's a good guy. I just think when you get up to Canada, the expectations just are magnified in this league, and I think he is the second guy out. So we'll see. I got the first guy coming up. Well, and even then, though, it also goes to expectations. You're getting to the point. Do you get last again? Like you talk about the young talent in Ottawa, and we talked about it in Anaheim. What if you add Connor Bedard or Fantilli to those rosters? Like at this point, it's generational. Are they just waiting it out? Hey, you know what? Shit, we thought we'd be in the playoffs, but now let's get last. Let's wait yeah. till the summer. I, I don't know. Well, moving on with high expectations in Canada. Bruce, there it is, as we like to say. Um, What a crazy season so far for Vancouver. Obviously, we just saw them against the Coyotes the other night, came back, won that in overtime. The most insane game I've ever seen play out happened uh, last night with Vancouver and Montreal down 4-0 in the first, came back to win it in a very insane way. Um, Vancouver, I guess they are rising. They're 23rd in the league right now, and they're 7-3 and in their last 10. So they are on the up um, from a disastrous, disastrous start. But I would say of all the teams we've talked about so far, Vancouver possibly had the highest expectations, especially given the division they're in, one of the weaker divisions in the league. So what do you guys think? Bruce Boudreaux, they're, they're on the up, but do they need to make a change? Do they go for it? Yeah, this... Is- there is no doubt in my mind, boost, boost. Bruce Boudreaux is out in Vancouver. Like if they, if in a perfect world, they still thought they had a chance to make the playoffs, he would be gone this afternoon. Like they, they, they the, the decision to hire him was made by the ownership group prior to bringing on a general manager and, and a Jim Rutherford as part of that staff. So they have no relationship with Bruce Boudreaux. He's gone. It's just a matter of a same issue. Do you wait, get the last pick, and then get rid of him? But he's done. Like this is he's a de facto, he's a lame duck coach, period. And the, the issue with him, when you go through his record and you go through his coaching career, this is a guy that's got a lot of wins in the National Hockey League. He's coached the Washington Capitals to the top of the league. He had a 738 winning percentage in Washington. What did he do? Lost in the first round. He gets to Anaheim 700. He lost in the second round. But there, there's six times he loses in the first round with teams over 600 winning percentage. And he loses in the first round. I, I, I'm surprised as hell that he got another chance in Vancouver. And it was a relationship with the ownership that got him there. This is his last kick in the can. His coaching career is over. But this is when we talk about the difference. He's a nice guy. Guys like him. He's nice. But... 
when it comes to X's and O's, I'm not convinced that he knows his X's and O's, and that's how you win in the playoffs. Even when you have good teams, you still need to be able to coach your way around a team in seven games, and I don't think he's proven that. He's gone, and this will be his last opportunity as a head coach in the National yeah. Hockey League. You mentioned X's and O's, and I remember when the Blackhawks played the Ducks in the conference final, uh, and, and Joel Quimble just coached his ass off. He just he coached he, he way out coached Bruce Boudreau in that series, and it was so obvious that Bruce Boudreau. In fact, there were even I think Ryan Getzloff might have even said it at some point that we got out coached in that series, which is hard to hear from one of your veteran players. So, my question to you, Petey, like Leah just mentioned, Vancouver seven and three. In their last 10, they're two points off a wild card spot. How do you parse this all with a new GM and a new focus? Do you say, I'm going to ride it out because we don't want to pay another guy and just see if it drops to the bottom? Because why make a change at this point? What if if he actually drives them to another playoff spot? I don't know how you parse this when a team is this close to the playoff spot. Yeah, the, the reality is, I think from the same reasons we said before, worst case, they get last and they get a high draft pick best case they sneak their way in a wild card spot and get their ass kicked by vegas or colorado (laughs) and then their season is over but they made the playoffs so that's a positive right and and as as the ownership group going shit we can fire me the way like travis green is still getting paid by this team bruce boudreau still getting paid by this team i don't see them bringing another salary on at this point because either way if he makes it in the playoffs on the very bottom end you go oh okay we got us to the playoffs but now you can fire him and go, oh, we're ready to make it to the next level. And that's okay. And nobody's going to get mad. Or if you get last, you go, okay, well, he, he brought us to last. We're firing him and we're going in another direction. So I think it's a win-win for the ownership. It's a win-win for the organization. I don't see them paying another coach until the end of the season. But one other thing I wanted to say, and I want to make this clear too, because I said his playoff success. I've I've worked with some really good coaches. And I, I, I look at Dave Tippett. And sometimes you go into a playoff series and you put the names up on the board and it's Datsuk and Zetterberg. Or, you know, it's um, Sackick and Forsberg. And you put those names up on the board and you go, we don't have a chance. Like, you can you can make adjustments. We change the neutral zone forecheck. We change the forecheck. You change the lines and the matchup. Sometimes it's a better hockey team that you're playing, but you still need to make those adjustments. So I'm not saying the coach can get his team in, in you know, and win championships because he's a great coach. You still need a really good team. But I'm saying... During those seven game series, you see what a coach is made of because you see what they're trying to do differently. What can we do? What can I find that can make us better against this particular team? So I hope that made sense. Yep. Um, I'm curious, and we still have a few names to get through, but I'm curious um, which coach would have the best odds, I guess, to get fired first. That's not a, a line that DraftKings carries. We've seen it actually with NFL head coaches on some sports books, odds to get fired next kind of dark uh dark odds there but you can bet on something more positive on the DraftKings Sportsbook app like the NBA which is going on right now Phoenix Suns tough night last night but they've been having a great season so if you're new to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and you've downloaded it sign up with the code PHNX place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and you'll get $150 in free bets if they do that's code PHNX only on DraftKings Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And also right now, like if you suspect some of these teams that are maybe on the bubble could make the playoffs, betting on a team to make the playoffs is something you can do right now. And if, you know, a team you expect maybe will have a big comeback like Vancouver, uh, for example, you can put some money on them probably right now at plus money and, and win yourself some money in a few months. So definitely take that one up, I would say. And, um, 
for these coaches, you know, it's tough. It's a long season and maybe they need to relax, unwind a bit. I'd recommend they try some OGs. Last night on our postgame show, if you were there, you saw the debut of the PD's OG side counter. Um, I think we got up to seven size last night. So that was that was exciting and nothing to nothing better to unwind after a tough loss or a tough season than taking some OGs. They have amazing flavors, orange creamsicle, pina colada. Uh, you can take them to go to sleep. You can take them to relax. They're amazing, and they're locally scratch-made here in Arizona. So check them out. You can find them at your local dispensary, but you must be 21 or older to enjoy. Let's keep going down this list. Next up, we have Craig Berube with St. Louis. St. Louis also had a really, really tough start to the season, and it's gotten a little better, but they're still probably not where they want to be. I personally had St. Louis making the playoffs and not only making the playoffs, I think I had them finishing second in the division right now. They're 11 and 14, uh, 26 in the league. Craig Berube and St. Louis. What do you guys think? This is a tough one for me. Uh, this is a veteran team. I know there are a lot of expectations. They won a cup recently, but is it, is it just a matter of St. Louis being in decline? I'm curious for your thoughts. I know you talk to talk a lot and talk is really close with Craig Berube. Is it, is this just a, a situation PD where St. Louis has just passed its prime. It's over. The The window is closed. Yeah. I, I, and I think there's some issues there. One, once you win a Stanley cup, by the way, you do buy yourself some extra time and you get a little bit of leeway. And we saw it um, with one of the most tenured guy, Mike Sullivan, who at, at a few points in the last five years, I thought he was going to be on his way out because of his playoff exits. And and I'm looking at, at the situation in St. Louis, he's going to get a little bit more rope in, in St. Louis just because of that history. But they've, they've got some issues there. And, and you can start with all the media attention right now to, to, to Bennington and the net and the disruption he's caused in the room. Their goaltending has not been good enough. And all of these teams where we're talking about coaching, you can start at the back end, John Gibson, Thatcher Demko. These goaltenders have not played well. And, and I think that's one of the issues here in St. Louis. But you're right. They don't have that same magic, that same chemistry. You lose David Perron, who is a guy that I really thought was the glue to this team. And, and the reality is Ryan O'Reilly's potentially on his way out of the St. Louis Blues. They've been trying to move Tarasenko for the last two seasons now. I don't think they fit into what he's, what they're trying to do in, in St. Louis. So you're right. They, they're they going to have to get a resurgence of new young guys again. This is It's a team right on the precipice of which direction are they going. And I think that's causing some of the problems. I do think Barubi's going to be able to hang on a little bit longer um because of the Stanley Cup and, and Leah said to two this is a team that that has come from behind before you know they're just about 500 they're four and six in their last 10 um lost four in a row yeah if, if this if yeah, right after winning six in a row so if they come back and they they start off in January this this will not be something that happens before the holidays but if January they start off in the wrong direction after the after the holidays I could see this being a change that could be made and then sell off, right? I mean, Ryan O'Reilly's a free agent after this. Yeah, season. and then start off. Start Whew, over. What a big name he would be to be on the free agent market. Anyway. Yeah. Well, moving right along, we got Brad Larson in Columbus. Columbus was an interesting one because they went out and made possibly the biggest free free agency signing of the offseason when they signed Johnny Gaudreau. You thought, oh, maybe that can you know be the the kickstart they need. They have Patrick Laine. They have skill. Um, we talked to. Um, Port Portline, Aaron Portline. That's the, and yeah, we talked to him before the season, and and I kind of got, I kind of was bought into Columbus, maybe not as a playoff team, but as a bubble team, and 
you know, right now, as of today, they're tied exactly with the Coyotes, same winning percentage, point nine three nine one. excuse me, they're 8-13-2, and 4-4-2 in their last 10. It's been a tough go for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but I don't know how much the Goudreau signing impacted the expectations. That's an interesting one to weigh for me. So is Brad Larson on the chopping block? To me, there's a lot to consider here with Columbus. I don't think Johnny Goudreau was signed with the expectation that suddenly this was going to be a, a necessarily a playoff, maybe a contender for a playoff spot, but maybe at, at, at the bubble. I, I think the signing was more made to prove that free agents, high-end free agents, would actually sign with the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's a a, a narrative that Yarmo Kekalainen, I think, wanted to dispel. He wanted to prove that players would come to Columbus. As far as expectations, first off, he doesn't strike me as the type of GM who's going to hit the panic button this quickly. Um, Listen, Larson's only been a job 18 months. I don't think they're going to pull the trigger on this one. I'd be really surprised if they did this quickly because when you look at this roster, you say, well, why? What, What did you expect? Maybe if they had also made that trade for Jacob Chikrin, maybe if they had added another piece, you could have thought, okay, this is more like an Ottawa situation where they're really going for it. But I have a hard time believing that Brad Larson's going to be on the chopping block quite yet because I just don't, I don't think Columbus has it. In a word, too early. That's actually two words. Yeah, they're not they're they're not making a change here. Brad Larson's their guy for right now in the near future, and they made one move with Goudreau. They're not ready to be a playoff team yet, and they're going to have a little more patience. All right, there you have it. Um, and last on our list of coaches possibly in the hot seat, we mentioned him kind of toward the beginning. Gerard Gallant, again, New York had a great uh, season last year. Shesterkin, Vesna winner, unbelievable year. Gerard Gallant, he's been a successful coach in, in his tenure, but New York is not having the, the year that many expected them to have. Um, they're still, you know, just above 500. It's not all bad. Um, but I think of all the teams we've talked about, they by far had the highest expectations. They were in the Eastern conference final last season. Is this on Gerard Gallant? Is this on Shesterkin? Is this on someone else? And either way, do they make a change? It's funny. We talked about the coach of the year and last year, you look last year, it was Daryl up in, in Calgary. And then you look at Gerard Gallant and Andrew Burnett, Burnett gets fired. Daryl's in the hot seat now too. We didn't mention him, but they're not winning. And 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 then Gerard Gallant, who takes the team to the Eastern Finals, and now they're not. So it's all the coach's fault. Like I don't buy it. Like I, it doesn't change. You don't lose the ability to coach over the summer. You just don't. You don't forget how to coach. So I think Gerard Gallant's he's not going anywhere. His leash is longer. They do expect to win. And to Craig's point that he's made several times on this show, the Rangers are probably not quite ready to achieve the success that they achieved last year. I don't know if they thought they were an Eastern conference final team. They were on the rise and they were getting better, but I don't think, I think that that pushed the bar a little bit higher than what you think for, for the Rangers right now. It's a good hockey team, but I don't know if that's where they're headed. Um, Shesterkin needs to be better clearly, but I don't think they're going to pin this one on the coach right now. Um, This, is he he's he buys this season easy like he'll get through this because of what he did last season so he'll get through this one regardless i think they'd love to see him make the playoffs and i still think they can do that craig thoughts i don't know if craig's still there or else he fell asleep like he's he's, or he's just not moving moving very very well here craig you know what this is one of those scenes like like from the naked gun where like he would be standing still and all of a sudden you see his wife moving in the background. And he's just arm. like he's just punking us right now. Yeah, but that's um, where you, you talk about these things, Leah, and you talk about the ability to coach from a year to to 
year to year. And, and Daryl Sutter, who was the coach of the year last season, he was the guy in Calgary. And now you're starting to look at, well, is, is, is he too aggressive? Is he too, is he, can he relate to the players? Well, he could last year. And there were, I, I don't understand how he can't relate this year. So I, I, I do, I do think the coaches get too much blame in some st- instances and they just, you know, got to put the blame sometimes on the players. And I know, you know, Bruce Brudeau said that to his team in Vancouver, Hey, they got to look in the mirror. Sometimes it's a, it's a two way street for sure. And I, and I think that gets forgotten at times. Absolutely. Um, well, Craig, Oh, Craig is back. <laughs> he's, he's back. Let's see if it's work. Craig. Hello. Yeah, that was bizarre. I've never had that. <laughs> my, my computer just decided it had had enough. It just shut down. It said, I will not hear of coaching, firing talk. I will not hear it. But Craig, before we move on, any thoughts on the Ranger situation? Yeah, I just, I, I'm sure Petey covered it all. I, I, I never thought that this team was as good as the hype. I, I thought they were buoyed by otherworldly goaltending. And, and I'm sure Petey mentioned this all right already. Igor Shesterkin has just been good this year. And the Rangers need great goaltending right now in order to achieve the uh, expectations that people expect of them at this point. Absolutely. Well, this brings us to our next point on coaching. Barry Trotz sitting out on the sidelines, Rick Tockett. Um, you know, those are some of the coaches when you think of maybe the next ones to be hired. Do you see a scenario that either of them, and I think Barry Trotz has gone on the record saying he'd love to coach an original six team. You look at, we just talked about Gerard Glan and the Rangers. Is that, you know, is that an opportunity there? Do you guys see either Barry Trotz or Rick Tockett behind an NHL bench before the year ends? I, I don't know. I, I... It's just bizarre to lay that out there like that, right? I'd love to coach an original six team. Well, do you want to go to a team that's near the bottom of the standings? Probably not. So, okay, so we should rule out the Blackhawks at this point. I mean, there's not a lot of options there. And it's a weird thing to tell the coaches of those six teams that, hey, yeah. I wouldn't mind having your job. So, but it, I mean, it certainly puts it out there in the minds of owners and general managers. And if you can get a Barry Trotz, listen, GMs always talk about trying doing whatever they can to upgrade their roster. Well, if you have a chance to upgrade your coach and get Barry Trotz, why wouldn't you? Yeah, this one's hard again. He's a guy that's 60 years old right now. Uh, and and I thought he was starting to make the, the move into management. I thought that's where his interests had lied. And he was starting to look at, at going beyond coaching and getting away from the bench and getting into the management offices. But that may not be the case now. And you're right, Craig. Here's a coach that seven of his last eight years behind the bench, he made it through the first round, won a championship and, and the Eastern finals, what, two times? he's got a track record. If he wants a job, he'll get one. This is a situation where he's going to pick the spot that he wants to go. I... <laughs> It's going to have to be the perfect deal for him. It's going to be the team, the city, the right circumstances, a team that's ready to win. It's not going to be a team that's going through a rebuild or trying or young. It's going to be a team that has veterans that aren't meeting their expectations. And that's the only way I see him coming back to coach um, what, in the near future. What about talk, PD? You're as close to that situation as anyone. I think the, with Rick Tockett, I think that honestly, the big decision is it's, it's similar to that. He's a guy that he's, he's been a head coach twice in his career. This the third time it's his third kick of the can. He's got to get the right team. And for him, it's going to be the right city, the right team. It's a team he has to feel he believes in, in an organization that believes in him. It's going to have to be the perfect fit because he's got another job. And when you've got another job, you can wait. 
And I, I think he loves what he's doing with TNT. And I, I know he wants to coach. He, he's a competitor at heart and he wants to compete, but he's not going to take a coaching job just to take a coaching job. It's going to have to be the right situation. And, and you know what, if he doesn't coach again and he does what he's currently doing and he's still involved and close to the game, I think he's going to be perfectly content with that. Well, Luckily, when you play uh, daily fantasy, you don't need a coach. You don't need to draft a coach. All you need is a player. You need a goalie. You need forwards and you need defensemen. And you're the coach, if you will, or I guess you're the GM in that scenario. And you can do just that on underdog fantasy, um, daily fantasy done differently. You can draft against five of your friends. You can draft against strangers. You can do one versus one and you just put a little money in. Highest scoring person wins and it's just as easy as that. I like the idea of daily fantasy, especially season long can be really taxing, a lot of work. So daily fantasy, it's super fun. You can do it for hockey. You can do it for football, any of the sports. They're all on underdog fantasy. You can also play the pick em game, choose higher or lower and point totals for certain player stat lines. It's super fun. Highly recommend checking it out. It's super easy to get started. All you do is go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, sign up with the promo code PHNX, and Underdog will match your first deposit up to $100. It's an absolute steal, so get on it. And then at some of the money you win on Underdog, you can uh, use to treat yourself for some tickets to Coyotes games. They're finally back the end of this week, so you can check them out. The Suns, the Cardinals, ASU, all of it. You can find it all on Game Time. It's the best place to buy your tickets, especially when you buy last minute. You can buy parking passes on Game Time. You can buy concert tickets on Game Time, all of it. So check it out. When you do, use the link below in our description. It's the best way to support us. But like I always say, you can save up to 60% when you buy last minute. So if you're on the fence about going to the game, maybe this Friday against the Bruins, Check it out on Friday. See what the prices are like. I know it's been a little bit more expensive for Boston, but there's some definitely more affordable games coming up here um, over the month of December. So before we wrap up here, we'll close out with a couple of notes on the Coyotes. And Craig, I'll throw it over to you for this one. Yeah, I just wonder with the uh, World Junior Camps uh, getting ready to start, I think at the end of this week, if this is the last we'll see of Dylan Gunther for a while, if he heads off to uh, play for Canada at the World Juniors, I think there's a distinct possibility of that. I know they wanted to evaluate his last few games to see if it made more sense for him to stick around, but we're going to get a decision quickly. And then I wonder, I've, I've been wondering for a long time, what's the sample that's large enough for teams to evaluate Jacob Chikrin and start to make offers? We're getting close. We're getting close. What do you think, PD? What's a large yeah. enough sample size? It depends. It honestly, it depends on how urgent the need is for the team that's looking, what they have for assets to go back the other way. The sample size right now for me, I just needed to see him play. I needed to see him skate. I needed him to play more than 20 minutes a game and provide offense. I think he's checked those boxes. And now it's just a matter of what my need is, what my need, how, cause you got to look at what you're, you're paying for him um, financially and what he uh, gives to your cap. I mean, he's cheap. Like in the role he plays for teams, he's got a, his salary is very palatable for teams. The issue is going to be the price that they're going to have to pay to acquire that asset. Um, I think GMs are starting to see, yeah, he can provide offense. He's scoring. He's providing offense. He's playing on the power play and he can eat 20 some minutes and not be a liability. And you looked at his negative numbers, you know, over the past couple of years where he's minus, minus, minus and wearing the green jacket this year, he's not. And so yeah. I, 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 I think it's going to start to, to get to a fever pitch, especially those teams like we've mentioned that think they're there, but are just outside the window. And I, I know they're teams that 
we have cap issues, but you're talking like, look at all the teams out of the playoffs, St. Louis, New York, um, Calgary. Those teams are all out of the playoffs that expected to be there. They need to make some moves. Yeah. And so I think you're going to look and we already talked about Toronto's troubles at the back end and where they are with injuries. Somehow, if you think that's what you need to get to the next step, you find a way. So I think with so many teams that were expected to do well this year that are not, they may yep. be making a move. My gut's telling me January, like the midway point of the season, it's kind of that make or break moment for teams where like we've talked about with this coaching conversation, do you go for it? Do you, do you not, who's going to be a buyer? Who's going to be a seller? And then if not, I have to imagine this trade deadline, something will happen. If Jacob Turkin stays healthy, if he stays producing at the right He's been producing, but we'll see. We've obviously been following this one closely as it's been going on. And and as for the Dylan Gunther situation, as soon as we know more on that, we'll report back too. But, um, you know, once these skilled players leave, if Jacob Chikrin gets traded, that's another piece gone for the Coyotes. And hopefully that will only help them plummet toward the bottom of the standings to be in the mix for that first or second or third overall pick. That's where they need to be. But one or two would be phenomenal, especially in this year's draft. Um, Well, as we wrap up here, you guys, the Coyotes, they're back this week. And the best place that I can recommend you going before the game, because you can walk from there, is the Four Peaks H Street Pub. And while you're there, you can pick up an Advent calendar, a beer Advent calendar. It's been amazing. We've been picking one out every single day. There's all sorts of specialty beers, tall boys, not just the Four Peaks beers you find in the grocery store. There's beers that they don't even sell that you can find in this box. It's $55. It's a great gift. Um, if Even if you buy it today, you're only five beers behind. It's easy to catch up. It's a fun. So check that out. You can get that at the A Street Pub in Tempe and uh, give the gift of beer this holiday season. Um, and as always, you must be 21 or older to drink and enjoy responsibly. And I'm super excited about this. We have a new sponsor. And... I am extremely, extremely excited about this one because this sponsor was a big part of my college experience and they have a location in Tempe, also a place you can stop by on the way to the mullet, Illegal Pete's. Um, I We are so excited to welcome Illegal Pete's to the PHNX family. They're on Mill in Tempe. Their food is phenomenal. Their queso, next level. And here's what I love about Illegal Pete's. They have a bar inside so it's like uh you know you go up to the glass you you choose your burrito or bowl you go along and then after you get your food go to the bar they have margaritas the prickly pear margarita as pd would say money so seriously check out illegal pete's i love them like i can't say enough about how much i love illegal pete's i'm so excited they're now part of the phnx family and right now if you purchase 100 dollars and gift cards, they'll throw in a $25 gift card on the house and be on the lookout for a few informal happy hours with the PHNX Sun Devils crew, which of course includes Sean. So we're really excited about this partnership. You know who else loves Illegal Pete's for all the reasons you just mentioned, Leah? You? The Tucson Roadrunners. Oh, really? It is a favorite spot of the Tucson Roadrunners. No way! It has been for years, so... Yeah, it's a good. That's a good partner for us. I oh like yeah, because, well, obviously the one in Tucson on University. That's where I spent a ton of my time in college. They actually have two bars in the one in Tucson, one downstairs, one upstairs. Um, yeah. So whether you're in Tucson, whether you're in Tempe, Phoenix area, check out Illegal Pete's. Amazing food, amazing drinks, great time, and they have really cool merchandise too. So definitely check that out as well. And of course, uh, 
Consider becoming a diehard at gophnx.com. Craig published a story on Monday about Greg Powers, whether or not he's the future, the, the one to lead ASU into the future. That's for diehards only. You must be a diehard to read that. If you've been on the fence of becoming a diehard, not only will you get access to the diehards only content, but you can get 20% off on merchandise, your own merchandise that only you can buy in the PHNX locker, 20% off on events. We're going to have a ton of exciting events coming up here in the new year. So definitely become a diehard today or, or give the gift of being a diehard to someone else or give the gift of PHNX merch to someone else. Great gifts for the sports fans in your life. Anything else before we head out? Yeah, nope. gen- general managers are listening and they're looking for coaches. I think this is a great staff that seems to know it all. They just have to listen to us and, <laughs> and uh, listen That's to our show always. once and say, yeah, okay, you, why don't you guys give it a try. You guys seem to think yeah. you know what you're talking about. Exactly. I think everyone knows by now that we set the agenda for the NHL. So, of course, yeah. Gary. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's our excuse: conflict of interest. Yeah. Well, we'll be back live tomorrow night after the Edmonton Oilers game for a post-game show on the PSNX Sports YouTube channel. So subscribe there, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Like, subscribe, leave us a review. Follow PHNX Sports across all social platforms. The mayor of Tempe, Corey Woods, will be a guest on our show Thursday live at 10.30 a.m. on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. So tune in then. That's going to be a great one. But until then, everybody, you can follow us on Twitter at Liam Merrill, at S. Peters Hockey, at Craig S. Morgan, and follow the show at PHNX underscore Coyotes. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. Watch a coach get fired like right when we hit and record, and then it'll be out of date already. I probably just cursed that, but hopefully not. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.